And it's amazing to see what God is doing in our church. That in a church that is over 100 years old, and if you're visiting with us, understanding that in the last 100 days, we've seen over 100 people uh, give their lives to Jesus. And so, and following him. And so it's amazing just to be a part of a church that has rich history, but is more alive than ever before. You know, this morning during our video reading, a verse was read, it's Isaiah 9, chapter six. This was hundreds of years before Jesus was born. You know, that there were well over 300 prophecies about Jesus. And they talk about the probabilities of that for for one person to fulfill 300 prophecies that, again, that there's actual proof that these were written before the time of Jesus. There's proof that they were there before Jesus was on earth. And the probability of 300 prophecies all coming true and not one being missed, you could pack the whole state of Texas in a foot of quarters, the whole state. It's a big state, I've lived there. You could throw one gold quarter out into the state somewhere, then take bulldozers, mix them all up, blindfold yourself. You have a better probability to walk out and pick one coin blindfolded in the state of Texas than for one man to fulfill these prophecies. It's incredible, unbelievable evidence. And so one of the prophecies was this, written by the prophet Isaiah. He said, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his name shall be called the Prince of Peace. You see, the word peace, it is a very common word that not only is it found in almost every language on earth, but it's found in also being in that language is one of the highest ideals of most cultures. That there's something that lives within all of humanity that we seek peace. It's found in every culture. People are seeking peace. It's one of the highest ideals. It's something we yearn for on every level of humanity. We're looking for peace between husbands and, and wives. We're looking for peace between children and their mom or children and their dads. Many of us who are coming together with relatives this week, you're hoping that there's peace when you all come together, amen? You're looking for peace with your in-laws. When we go to our workplaces, our education spaces, with our neighbors and with our friends, we are hoping that there is peace between us. Even in our cities and in our local leadership, our communities and in our national government, we pray, we hope, we strive, we yearn for something called peace. And ultimately on the highest levels, we certainly yearn for peace between every tribe and every tongue and, and peace between nations. And during some of the most world-famous competitions, they come together and say, what's one thing that you wish for? And what do they say? World peace, baby. My question for us this morning 
If this is something that we yearn for on every level of human nature, how is that going for us? How is that going for us? You see, if peace is most often understood as the absence of conflict, the absence of hardship, the absence of war, really, then not only on the world stage, but also on an interpersonal stage, and even within ourselves on an individual stage, clearly it's not really going that well for us. You see, on the world stage, we have multiple wars on numerous fronts with increasing probabilities of more that could come. On an interpersonal level, which is between person to person, there's more and more social unrest, more and more chaos, hatred, instability than most of us have probably ever seen before. Then if we turn and we look inwardly at ourselves on the individual level, the levels of confusion, the levels of stress, the levels of anxiety that have led to the levels of prescriptions and self-medications have never started younger and have never been higher in all of history. How's it going for us? And he shall be called the prince of peace. You see, although the word peace is so common and and sometimes in the Bible it is referred to as the absence of conflict, but it actually has a much deeper meaning than just the absence of something, and it points to the presence of something better in its place. So it's not just the absence of war, the absence of conflict. We're not just praying for the absence of that stuff, but when it comes to the word peace, when we talk about the prince of peace, of who Jesus is, we're actually talking about not only absence, but the presence of something better. You see, in the Old Testament, it was written not in English, not even the King James English. The Hebrew, I'm just kidding with you, but seriously, it wasn't. Anyway, the Hebrew word for peace in the Old Testament is, anyone? Shalom. We've probably heard this word more recently than ever because of some of the unrest in our world. But in the Old Testament, this word was shalom. But in the New Testament, which was not written in Hebrew, it was written in Greek, the word is erene. The word is erene. So either shalom, erene, it's the same word, which is peace. And the most basic meaning of this word peace, shalom, erene, it means completeness or wholeness. It often refers to a stone that has no visible cracks inside or out, a stone that is complete and that is whole, has no cracks. Or oftentimes it's referred to as a big wall, and as you look at the wall, there's no missing bricks, there's no cracks on the foundation, it is complete, it is whole, nothing missing. Peace, or shalom, or erene, it often refers to something that is very complex with a lot of moving pieces, but in those moving pieces is in a state of completeness or wholeness. It's like Job in the Old Testament when he said that his tents were in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals were missing, so they were in a state of shalom. This is why shalom, or erene, it can point to a person's well-being. 
Like when David, when he went and he visited his brothers on the battlefield, when they were facing Goliath, he asked them about their peace. He said, how is your shalom? How is your erene? Not just because they were clearly in a conflict. It wasn't an absence. It was, how is your completeness? How is your wholeness? You see, the core idea of peace is that life is a complex, it is full of moving parts and relationships and situations and circumstances, and when any of these pieces is out of alignment or it's missing, your shalom, your peace, your erene, it breaks down. And life is no longer whole, and it needs to be restored. You see, this morning, I don't have to paint a picture of what a life looks like or feels like when it's not complete or whole, because even as a believer or a non-believer, a person of faith or someone who doesn't have it, we all know what it feels like when you know you're just not whole. When you know you try so hard to portray wholeness, portray something, portray peacefulness inside of you, but you know if you are honest with yourself, you know what you wake up to every day. You know of why if you were put your phone on do not disturb and you sit and you just be still, everything that begins to flood up inside of you, no wonder our world is addicted to scrolling on their phone. It distracts us from our lack of completeness and wholeness. You see, in fact, the basic meaning of peace or shalom, when you use it as an actual verb, to bring shalom, to bring peace, literally means to make complete or to restore. It is a verb, to make complete or restore. So Solomon, when he was building the temple, When he completed the temple with the final stone that was missing, he brought shalom, he brought peace, he brought completeness to the building. It is a verb. Or in the Old Testament, if your animal accidentally went and damaged your neighbor's field or crop, you would shalom with them, you would come into peace with them by giving them a complete payment for their loss to make restitution with them. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile or to heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. It's not just the absence of something. It is the completeness, the wholeness, the restoration, the restitution of something. It is not the absence. It is the presence of something. You see, whenever... Rival kingdoms in the Bible would come against one another. When they would make shalom, when they would make peace, it didn't mean that they just stopped fighting and were still mad at each other. It meant that they started working together in trade and in business for each other's benefit. You see, the state of shalom or peace is what Israel's kings, the leadership was supposed to cultivate in the land But we know when you read through Old Testament history, this rarely happened. And so it was in this context and in this time where the prophet Isaiah, he sees the lack of peace, he sees the lack of completeness, he sees the brokenness on every level in the kingdom and in people's hearts that he then writes this verse. The Holy Spirit empowers him in the moment and he begins to prophesy hundreds of years 
before Jesus came about who Jesus was going to be. And so he looked forward to a future king, the prince of shalom, the prince of peace. And he wrote how this prince of peace, when he would reign and rule, he would bring completeness, he would bring wholeness, he would bring shalom, and it would have no end. A time when God would make a covenant of peace with his people, and he would make right all the wrongs and heal what's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament, it was announced as the arrival of Irene, which is the Greek word for peace, that when Jesus stepped onto the scene, they were saying, the peace, the Prince of Peace has come. This is the Messiah and what he's bringing to people, culture, and the world. You see, Jesus, we see him all throughout the New Testament He's offering his shalom. He's offering his erene. He's offering his peace to others when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you. He's recognizing that the people that he was surrounded by, there was a brokenness in them. There was a crack in their foundation. There was something wrong in their hearts. There was something missing in their completeness that he says, I am coming to give you my peace. I'm coming to complete you. I'm coming to restore you. I'm coming to redeem you. You see, the scriptures, they say that Jesus, he made this peace between messed up human beings like you and me and God when he died and when he rose again. You see, the idea of the Prince of Peace is that Jesus, what did he restore? What did he make whole? How is he the prince of peace? He restored the wholeness of the broken relationship between God and his creation, us humans. We were in disarray. We were in rebellion. We were broken. This is why the apostle Paul, he says that Jesus himself is our peace. Jesus is the one who steps into human history and he is the one, he is our peace. He's the one who makes us right with God. He's the one who makes us whole with God. He's the one who restores the brokenness inside of us and no one else can do that. Jesus was the whole complete sinless human that I failed to be. And now he gives his gift of life to me. You see, it is because of Jesus that we have peace. It's because of Jesus that we have peace. <laughs> Worship team, you can come forward and some of you are shocked, he's done? <laughs> this is my Christmas present to you. I already had 10 minutes of reading, so you tack that on, I'm good. You see, as the worship team comes forward, the question becomes, how's your peace? You see, we're yearning for it, we're searching for it. And what happens in Humanity is we are looking for this peace. You may not say it and verbalize it, but in reality, we all do have a brokenness inside of us. 
It was at the moment where we rebelled against God and turned our backs on our creator so we could worship creation. It was in that moment that we became broken, that our walls fell out of shalom, that our Irene was taken away. And every generation of humanity, year after year, century after century, millennia after millennia, has been humanity trying to make peace with themselves. But the reality is we will never do it. You see, even today, we try to make wholeness in our lives and a fulfillment and a satisfaction. We think maybe a job will bring us wholeness, that we study all those years, we prepare all those years, we're excited about the job, and we go after it, and we have the job, or we may think that a spouse will bring wholeness to our lives, and and so we go about that whole process, and we're excited about it. We think that maybe children will bring wholeness to our lives, and so we're excited, and and we go after that. We may think that a large bank account will bring wholeness and completeness to our lives, and so we dedicate and orient our lives towards that. We chase all of these things that we think are going to bring completeness to us, but if you've been around just a little bit, at first those things bring something, but after time, sometimes quicker, sometimes longer, the cracks begin to show. The cracks begin to show because we're trying to repair them from the outside in. And what happens is the jobs and and the marriages and the kids and, and the financial obligations, whatever you want to call it, they bring stress on our lives in a way and and when those things begin to crack, we, we realize that no job's ever gonna bring me peace or, or maybe my spouse isn't gonna bring me peace or maybe my children, there's so much conflict, I'm never gonna have peace. And so what we do is we begin to numb ourselves and medicate and, and go and distract ourselves and, and to the place where if I don't have to focus on my incompleteness or the brokenness inside of me, let me just not think about it. But that only furthers the cracks. But Jesus came to restore us. Jesus came to bring us life. Jesus came to live on the inside of you, to restore you from the inside out. He came to repair you. He came to give you life. And only Jesus can do that because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He didn't come just to take away conflict with your family. He didn't come just to take away something and pat you on the back. Jesus came to bring you something that no one else, nothing else, nowhere else can bring you, and that is completeness, that is wholeness, that is reconciliation, that is restoring all things, all the places. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you're wanting peace in your marriage, only Jesus can bring it. If you're wanting peace in your family, only Jesus can bring it. Wherever you step your feet, we are then called to be peacemakers. Because when we have the Prince of Peace empowering us, Everywhere we step our feet, we are bringing reconciliation. Everywhere we step our feet, we are restoring and wholeness, but it starts with us. Would you stand with me all across this room?
Altar team, you can come forward as we prepare for salvation. How's your peace? Are you tired? Are you hurting? Are you confused? Is there something inside of you that you know just isn't right? Today, would you allow the Prince of Peace to invade your heart and soul, your mind and your strength, and to restore you from the inside out? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? As you bow your head and close your eyes, this has nothing to do with anything but eliminating distractions around you. It's a holy moment between you and the Lord where you can ask the Lord, where is there a lack of peace inside of me? Would you show me? Would you illuminate it for me? And as you begin to respond to the message, I wanna give opportunity for those who have no peace with God because there's no relationship. You see, Jesus came to restore the broken relationship between humanity and and our creator. And if you've never said yes to Jesus to follow his ways and receive his free gift of salvation, then that relationship is broken to the point where one day you will die and there's a real and eternal place called hell, separation from God and God's people and Jesus certainly does not want you to go there. He says that he wishes that all men, all men and women would say yes. But you've got to allow Jesus to be your peace, to make that peace for you. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe at one point in your life you did, but you know you've just kind of wandered, walked away, and there's some major cracks in your relationship and your foundation and you wanna recommit or rededicate your life to Jesus this morning, whether it's for the first time or you wanna recommit, this is your moment. This is your moment. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking around between this moment, between you and God. If you would say, Pastor Joe, that's me. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. Whether it's the first time or you wanna recommit to Jesus, ready? One, high above your head without hesitation, two, Three, if that's you, raise your hand high above your head. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. Anyone else, anyone else, come on. If that's you, this is your moment. I see that hand. God is saving, God's restoring, God's bringing his peace. Is there anyone else? There's no better morning than Christmas Eve morning to do this. I don't wanna leave anybody out. If the Holy Spirit is stirring in you and you don't know what that, who he is, your heart might be pounding, people might call it a goosebump, whatever it may be, it's just, it's something outside of you is stirring. If that's you, raise your hand high above your head. Last, last opportunity with us this morning. Incredible. If you raised your hand, I'm gonna ask you to take your hand and place it over your heart. God's word says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's all you gotta do. It's a free gift. But this morning, I don't want you to say that alone. The enemy wants to isolate you, to be off on your own so he can attack you. But the second greatest thing that God gives you outside of salvation is God's family, is us, to come alongside of you and help you, 
and be that biblical community for you.